This is Tech Talk Today, episode 276. Welcome into Tech Talk today. I'm Chris. And I'm Angela. Hello, Angers. We have a busy Microsoft day as Build just wrapped up, and it's the day before Google I.O. It's Google I.O. Eve. There's net neutrality shenanigans happening, and Tesla is throwing down the gauntlet. So let's dig in. Let's get started with our above the bar, better than average, you might say, Microsoft coverage, all done live here from our completely Linux running studio, which is always, always fun. But hey, the news is the news. And today it was definitely packed full of Microsoft announcements. We did talk about that new Windows 10 timeline feature that would be coming. And I, I remarked, how can they do this unless they have corresponding apps on the major mobile platforms? Well, that shoe dropped today. There's going to be a Windows timeline feature coming to the iPhone via the Edge browser, and Microsoft is updating their launcher for Android to get timeline support. So if you use either of those things, you'll get the new features. But Build was really all about Azure. Azure IoT Edge, new speech device recognition SDKs, massive partnerships that were announced with DJI and Qualcomm. There was keynotes that started at 9 a.m. and went till noon p.m., where Microsoft unveiled updates to Teams, the new uh, Slack competitor that they have, .NET Core 3.0, as well as updates to Visual Studio, Visual Studio App Center, which is their lifecycle management tool for iOS, Android, and Windows, and will be now featured on GitHub Marketplace. They also had GitHub up on stage, given tons of numbers. They debuted a new HoloLens Enterprise app, and they announced Project Connect for Azure which is powered by AI, which was mentioned about 10,000 times at Build, as well as the cognitive web, the cognitive search, and cognitive APIs. They also announced Brainwave. Microsoft Project Brainwave is a system for running AI models on FGPA chips, and it's in limited preview on Azure. When it's on Azure in preview, it's called Preasure. Yeah, the new word. <laughs> and then last but not least, Microsoft dropped 700 million as the number of current Windows 10 devices, which is up from about 500 million this time last year. Oh, and they also mentioned that Office 365 now has 135 million subscribers, up from 120 just last October. Huge day for Microsoft. You take all that in? Yeah, that was a lot. You digest all of that? Well, thank goodness we're done talking about Microsoft now. <laughs> I know, right? We're good. I think we covered it. You know, it was a big day because today is the kickoff. It's going to be really a lot of Microsoft stuff all week, but today was day one of Build. So I'm really excited to be here today because it's the first time I've been at one of these conferences. We are queuing for the keynote address by Satya Nadella. So that's very exciting. It's the very first keynote of the conference. And everybody's really excited to see what's coming this morning. And I am too, see all the announcements and what actually goes on at these keynotes. Because normally when you're sitting at home, you're looking at a computer screen. Now you actually get to be surrounded by all the energy participated in. So that's exciting. 
I shared some of my thoughts on this week's Coder Radio, but one of the things that I was surprised with is how often Linux was up on stage or Docker was up on stage. Build is here in Seattle, and I almost wonder if uh, I should go next year if they have it in our neck of the woods. Yeah, a lot of Linux was dropped there. Now, Google I.O. starts tomorrow, and there's a few things we already can expect. They've been leaking a lot of stuff intentionally. And when companies do this, Apple does this, Microsoft does this, is to set the expectation. They're not going to talk about this stuff. They got to make room to talk about the other stuff. But we do know what is coming. We're going to we know we're going to see huge updates to Google Assistant, Wear OS, Android TV, lots of stuff about Google Home. But I think a lot of the hype for our audience is probably around Android P which is going to be the next major version of Android operating system. And I am very pleased to say that finally Google is beginning the work to secure something that's always bothered me about Android devices that people don't talk about. And that is that Android is Linux and there is a proc file system. The proc file system is a virtual file system on Linux. It's a representation of what the kernel knows about your hardware. So if you're on a Linux box, you can you can CD, change directory, into slash proc and look around. It's incredible. You find information about your CPUs, your network cards, your disk stuff, everything. And Android apps can also do that. They can just read the files in there and they can use this to monitor what servers you connect to. They can look at the TCP connections on your Android device and see how often you talk to different systems, and they can log all of that without ever prompting for your permission. And this is something that people have known about. Other uh, Android um, ROMs mm -hmm. have made changes to lock this down using SE Linux to prevent this, but main Android has never addressed this issue. Can we back up? You said Android P. Now... My knowledge of Android versions is that it's edible and a dessert. Oh, yeah. Could be pudding. Is it? Probably not going to be pudding because of the Bill Cosby oh, stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, oh, no, no. I'm like, are they going to bodily fluids now? Like, I don't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but it's just called Android P because the actual name has not been announced? We will find out probably tomorrow. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you, you, gotta, you have a guess? Um, I'm going to say pudding even though I don't think it's going to be pudding. Man, that would be great if it was pudding. I would prefer put in. Yeah, I know. I know you would. I know. Man. Popsicle? Could be Popsicle. It could. Could be Android Popsicle. That'd be that'd be kind of hip. What do you think? I am having a hard time thinking of desserts that start with pea. Peach cobbler? Peanut butter. I would. It's not a dessert, but peanut butter. Like, I would love that. What are you running? Peanut butter? <laughs> yeah, I, I would be down for that. Yeah. I mean, technically, yeah. The Oreo isn't a dessert. It's a delicious cookie sandwich so <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, so it looks like with Android P they're going to be using SE Linux which is a security system on Linux to Pi. lock this down pie oh that's so basic though pie would be basic pumpkin pie I would love the double P that would the be double P. <laughs> the double P you know it's probably going to be something like pistachio or something that you can't spell. Oh yeah, I'd be so I'd be wrecked. That would <laughs> that would be so typical. Now, I have a theory. I don't know if I want to call it a prediction, but I have I have a theory that we're going to start seeing a change of tone from Google in tomorrow's Google IO. I could be way off, but it looks like a video got released a little early. And it gives us a little take on what we're going to be hearing out of Google during Google I.O. And, and listen carefully. It might be tricky, but see if you can kind of pick out a trend that reminds me a lot of Apple. Machine learning on Google Cloud is a secure way for making products smarter over time. 
the power of mobile devices has allowed us to improve privacy by running machine learning directly on your phone. So your phone will quickly feel even more personal. And it's better for your data plan and battery life. Federated learning is a new technology that enables your phone to learn from other devices while keeping your data private and secure. Here's how it works. First, your phone downloads a generic machine learning model. After your phone personalizes and improves its model, it computes a summary about the changes. Thousands of summaries are anonymously combined when phones are plugged in at night. This provides a global improvement to the model that makes it work better for everybody. So you get a smarter phone, and your data stays in your hands. Oh! Now, I think it's the, the giveaway is in the ending right there. Did you catch the very end of what she said? Take a take a look. Tell me if this doesn't sound kind of ungoogly. You ready? Mm-hmm. So you get a smarter phone, and your data stays in your hands. What they're really talking about is local computing. They're talking mm-hmm. about instead of uploading things to the phone or from your phone to the cloud, so Google can analyze it and then figure out what notifications to generate. They're doing what Apple started doing in the last version of iOS, and they're computing all of that locally. Mm-hmm. Like when you take a photo on the iPhone, it uses local processing to do the face recognition. When you take a photo on an Android device, it uploads it to Google Photos, which is a great service, but uploads it to Google Photos, and it the servers do the face recognition. And then they log it Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden now this is Google saying, we're going to do everything on the device. That whole clip was really all about on device computing. Now they're downloading the models to the device and some people are reacting to this as, well, this is Google just using my Android device at night uh, to uh, compute the things that they want uh, just chewed on. Like it's distributed computing via my Android device. Right. I don't think it's that though, because these are not no, very powerful. It, it did feel a little bit Cambridge University. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, you got yeah. a little, you got a little Cambridge off it. A little, a little bit. <laughs> a little Analytica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the whole like, uh, we'll make your device better by learning. I, I, uh, okay. I'm not. I'm not seeing it. Yeah. You know. And so, like, the, and the thing is, is both with the uh, the proc file system permissions uh, snooping on your connections and this common complaint I have about these Android releases. But the fact of the matter is the the inescapable truth is, and you guys know what I'm about to say, you got to be on the latest version of Android to get any of this stuff. And the vast, vast, vast majority are like several releases behind now. Right. That's their core issue. They still have failed to really solve. And man, I'd love to see them announce a fix to that. That would be my favorite thing coming out of Google I.O. But this federated machine learning has people all fired up. The uh, video was just published a couple of hours ago and already has 22,000 views and people are passing it around like, what is this? Was this was this leaked? I think it gives us a hint about what we could be seeing at Google I.O. And if any of this stuff intrigues you, how all of this stuff is built, how any of these things work, go check out our sponsor this week, Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. It is a platform to learn everything that runs Linux and that Linux runs on. Anything that you can build a career around, you can learn at Linux Academy. They have full-time instructors that are there to help you all of the time. It's a full-featured training library with everything you need to learn new skills and enhance your career. And make sure you got a squeaky chair when you go there. Like, I got a real squeaky (laughs) chair. 
and chair, and you know, yep. you got to squeak that chair when you're learning over at Linux Academy, where you get your self-paced in-depth video courses. They have hands-on labs that spin up in real time, and you SSH in and work on real production systems. They have learning paths, which are a series of courses and content planned by instructors for a specific kind of career track. And then if you're busy, well, they got a course scheduler where you can pick a course, you set a time frame, it works with your busy schedule, and it even gives you learning goals along the way. Practice exams and quizzes and more. Check it out at linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. You go there, you sign up for a free seven-day trial, try it out. Just kick the tires, see what it can do at Linux Academy. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Big thanks to Linux Academy, and a big thanks to all of you guys for going out there and doing that. So yeah, Google I.O. is tomorrow, and uh, we'll watch the big announcements. Yep. See what happens, and then we'll cover the stuff that really matters in our end of week show, which would be perfect because we'll have like a couple of days of like processing time, see where things land. And Google I.O., like Build, is a multi-day event. So while we're talking about things that spy on you, let's talk about the NSA. The NSA has tripled its metadata collection numbers, sucking up over 500 million call records in 2017. In the post-Snowden era, the NSA is monitoring more than they ever have. The National Security Agency has revealed this huge increase as part of a new transparency report, which is great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's up. It's up from uh, it's up from uh, every year actually since Snowden came out. It's it, the report itself is issued by the Director of National Intelligence Office, which is a political uh, intelligence office, and it shows the for, the foreign surveillance related uh, warrantless Section seven hundred two queries, as they call it. So if you got all that, you got all that. So we went from 5,000 last year to 7,000 this year. And within that 7,000, they can warrant an entire cell provider. So they have 7,512 foreign surveillance-related warrantless Section 702 queries that are currently active. 7,512. One, one, one of those 7,512 can represent the entire Verizon Corporation. And all of its customers. Man. Yeah. So that's why the records are so high. So while it's all based off of 7,000 warrants, they're able to collect um, 500 million call records, which is up from 151 million in 2016. It's a huge increase. It's the biggest increase ever collected by all the different service providers, AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, um, and and the and the and the NSA's response to this is, well, it kind of ebbs and flows. We're not collecting call content; we're just collecting metadata, uh, and it ebbs and flows depending on what's going on in the world. So the metadata argument. I bring this up because I think I think as we get into our net neutrality story here in a moment, and as the encryption debate begins to ramp back up once those gray keys are <laughs> defeated, uh, that information, those details matter. Because the metadata is so valuable. To, to say you need the content in those encrypted messages is, is really a fallacy. Like, if, if you can place where somebody's at, because metadata is who you talk to, when you talk to, where you talk to them, how long you talked, that's really all you need to place somebody at a scene of a crime or if they were, or give them an alibi. Yep. Oh, boy. This is, so anyways, data point for you guys to take with. These transparency reports that kind of come, they're underreported, and then they go. So we wanted to get it here in the show. If you want to read the full report for yourself, you can get it really easily. Just go to techtalk.today slash 276, and we'll have links to everything we're talking about today. Well, let's shift gears here. Literally. Tesla 
is planning to lock out contractors on Monday unless employees vouch for them. Now, this is hardball with your contractors, huh? Yeah. So this story I put in here because Angela and I have both been involved in the contract world Mm -hmm. in IT. And it looks like Elon Musk is planning to cut off access to the company's contractors for any contractor that doesn't have a Tesla employee vouch for the quality of their work. I say the reason why the reason why I say Elon Musk is because this is coming via a um, call that they had with analysts where Elon essentially took charge of this situation and he sent out an email to his employees afterwards and the email is pretty stark. The only way to keep these contractors around is to have a Tesla employee personally put themselves on the line for that contractor. Now, did they give an indication of how many contractors they have versus uh, Tesla employees? No, that's a good question. Like, so here's You can kind of read between the lines. First of all, Elon Musk apparently has a thing about contractors. Uh, he calls them barnacles. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, so here's what we can kind of know. We know that Tesla has nearly 40,000 employees. Yeah. And then that they have hundreds, that's the only number I think they've publicly given, hundreds of contractors. But what he said is that they have this barnacle situation where they have contractors who have contractors. So they have like these multi-level, and you and I have seen this. Yes. Uh, There's a huge plane manufacturer that, that is based out of Washington State that does this as a routine. Microsoft does this. You know, they have like their janitorial staff are often contractors. They're not actual employees. The, the food prep people are a completely different company. The IT people can be a different company. Like this is getting more and more common. And uh, Elon said that it's led to this huge culture of deferral of blame where nobody's responsible uh-huh. for mistakes. Yep. I could see that. I know, you know, right? it's kind of like with landscaping too. Like you, you hire a landscaper and they contract it out to somebody else. So you don't actually get the person that you meet. They don't actually do the job. Yeah. I, that is a huge problem in business management. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so he, in his email, he writes, please note my comment below about contractor companies and consultants. I expect the performance evaluation deadline to provide more opportunity to demonstrate excellence. But now time is up. Please send a note to HR before Monday justifying the excellence, necessity, and trustworthiness by individual, not just the company, of every non-Tesla person who has a badge access to our building or network access to our system. By default, anyone who does not have a Tesla employee putting their reputation on the line for them will be denied access to our facilities and networks on Monday morning. This applies worldwide. Time to scrub off the barnacles. Wow. That is, um, uh, that is direct. And, you know, you kind of got to appreciate the efficiency. And as somebody who's been involved in the contractor game, I think it's actually a really good move. Well, you were always a very good contractor. I think they would. Like, I think you people would have, would have vouched. They would have yeah, vouched. You would have had no issue getting. Yeah. And that. we can think of but people that know, wouldn't. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was just going to say, <laughs> we know people. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm, yeah. That wouldn't make it through the door. And it is really, I think, necessary. Uh, I think it's actually people. It's funny. Wall Street giving them a really hard time about this. Mm-hmm. Elon is losing it, is well, what they're saying. If you're a contractor and you've been contracting for Tesla for quite some time, you know, barnacles age um and you don't have a relationship with with an employee there that would vouch for you then you definitely have a problem yeah yeah um that article goes big brother (laughs) oh yeah you gotta have a social game yeah you do you absolutely do you always got to be selling yep abs abs always be selling (laughs) 
I don't know. I was trying to come up with a quick acronym. Abs. Yeah, always be selling yourself when you're a contractor. That's the, that's the really the story and the, and the moral there. Good on him. I'm not really sure why he's getting such a hard time for it. I think it's a necessary sort of cleaning of the uh, of the herd. So everyone's going to be hearing more about net neutrality over the coming days. It seems so, and it's back. It's not a zombie. It's sort of about the core debate itself and who has the power to make these rulings. The short version is on May 9th, this week that we're recording this episode, the Senate is going to vote on a resolution that essentially will have the impact to save net neutrality. And there is a group that you might be familiar with. They got their start around SOPA, Fight for the Future, that is calling for everyone to take action, put banners up on their WordPress sites, retheme their subreddits. It's really all about the Congressional Review Act, which is a resolution to block the new FCC commissioner's repeal. And it essentially defines clearly who has the power in the situation. Now, if this doesn't pass, it will shape the next 10 years of our ability to debate net neutrality. The goal, and I really respect this for Fight for the Future, is to shift net neutrality to a nonpartisan topic. So it's not a left or a right issue, which is exactly the way I think it should be. I don't think this should be a Republican and Democrat issue. Now, there's a strategy to actually accomplish this. It looks like right now it's partisan. The Democrats have about 50 votes. Now, you need 51 senators for this thing to go through, the Congressional Review Act. You need 51 senators. Right now, there's about 50 Democrats or so that look like they're pretty committed. But they're not fully in, so they still need your pressure. And this is this is the kind of political pressure that us average Joes can actually apply to our politicians. When we're just a couple of senators away, we can actually close this gap. But what would be even a bigger win is if we could pick up more Republican support. And there's about a dozen GOP senators who have indicated they're considering it. If we can get them on board, regardless of how you feel about net neutrality— we can, If we can get about a dozen GOP senators, about 50 or so Democrat senators, we can begin to shift this from a partisan debate to a nonpartisan technical merit debate, which is where we need something as important as net neutrality to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we have information about that and a link to their post, which includes like WordPress plugins and 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 uh, widgets that you can load on different websites. And they even have just like various graphics in a, in a folder that you can just download and start using on May 9th. All of that is linked up in the Medium post that we have. Again, that's techtalk.today slash 276. If this is an issue you care about, you should probably read the entire post. Uh, And even if you don't care, you're probably going to start seeing some people talk about this in the next couple of days. So we wanted to give you a heads up on that. The whole net neutrality thing kind of reminds me of the Telegram issues in Russia. Well, I'm finding that I'm using Telegram even more these days. Yeah, screw Russia. (laughs) Right? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny you say that. You don't know what you're missing. I think a lot of people feel that way. I don't know. I have two in a way. I'm like, I'm paying more attention to it. You and I were tidying today and I came across a bot that could be really cool for Telegram. I wanted to share it with the audience. It's called Squirrelbot. It's a Telegram bot that saves links that you send it. So you set up a chat with this bot and then you share using like your phone or your desktop links to it. And it eventually, it's not there yet, but eventually will build an RSS feed of all of the links you send it. But what it currently does, and it's still kind of cool, is it saves YouTube videos in a format that's easy for Cody to view. So you just toss YouTube links to Squirrelbot and it preps them for your Cody box. And then later on, they're going to add the RSS feed and stuff like that. The whole bot's written in Go. It's up on GitHub. It does require a YouTube deal, but... I trust you have that already, my friend. <laughs> and uh, you could you 
running your own local Telegram bot and keeping links. You and I were chatting about all the different potential with this thing. Yeah. Well, I was... I don't actually have, I, I'm sure there's a browser extension, you know, from one of the three browsers that I use that might um, collect links for me. And, you know, because when you find a link that you like, you don't necessarily need to bookmark it, you know, it just doesn't need to be that permanent. But if you just don't have a moment in that, at that time, it'd just be nice to throw it somewhere. So I do, mm-hmm. I do actually have a conversation with myself on Telegram, which they recently, it no longer says, you know, Angela Fisher. Yeah, it's like saved messages. Saved messages, yeah. So that's where I, sometimes I edit photos in there and then send it to myself, like to mark it up. Uh, And I also put links there too, but- That's how Noah does it. Yeah, but to have that added step of potentially an RSS feed where then it could be on any device. Mm -hmm. I mean- Easy to review. Yeah, and share with others. That's the big thing. Like if we had a group chat- Throw the bot in there. You could have like a tech talk bot that's just collecting links for us all day. Yeah. And then when we sit down to do the show, we could have a feed just to review. Yes. That would be really cool. Uh, I, I think, too, the other thing that I've been using Telegram more for is file transfer with folks. Like just like when oh. I'm working on stuff, I just toss it. Way document. easier than email. It is. It's, yeah. Yeah. So those things make it really nice. And it's it's kind of a Slack competitor, but it's kind of not. It's like it's really kind of filling its own niche. And so with these bots, it could make it more and more useful. We'll toss a link in there if you guys want to check that out. Also, if you want to join our Telegram group, it's jupiterbroadcasting.com slash Telegram. And that'll just forward you to our group where people are hanging out and chatting 24-7. Mm-hmm. have something fun. You do? I do. What is it? This week, or, or over the next couple weeks, you know, whenever you get around to listening to this show, I would like to know and have your input if we wrote a book about our journey into Jupiter Broadcasting, what specifically would you want to hear about? Hmm. What would we write it? What okay? What's the untold story? Is that what you're asking? Like what untold sort of. story? <laughs> or like or the the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts? You know, just the different things that we had to go through, or all the shows that we try. I mean, there's there's a, so many avenues. I also that, wouldn't mind hearing people's uh, title ideas, like "Born in the Fire." Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so you can go to Tech talk dot today forward slash contact to submit your ideas or you can get us on twitter i'm at angers i'm at chris las and the network is at jupiter signal boom yeah let us know either way We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. That's a great idea. You just, you told me to wait. I, I know, I didn't tell, it. he didn't know, he didn't know, but you can also ideas. leave a comment on YouTube um, or on the subreddit. Yeah. I do still maintain. Really? The- You're checking those areas? Oh, Good on you. Yeah. I, I have the tech talk. Yeah. Um, yep. Still yeah. going. You know what we haven't mentioned in the show for quite a while is speaking, just really quick tangent, YouTube, if you click show description, you know, you click that in the, in the box there, you expand it, boom. Show all. Show all. We got time links for all the different topics on the show right there in the show description. Check that out. It's a new feature we uh, we added with the new back end. Sorry, tangent, but I think that's pretty cool. And we've also got chapter markers in the podcast these days, which is so slick. I love it. <laughs> um, and you can subscribe to this here show and get it automatically. Go to techtalk.today slash subscribe. Season two is like uh, almost in mid-age now. It's like not quite middle age, but I think we're in that range. Wow. I wonder if, I haven't really said this anywhere, but I wonder if we should tell people that there is a very, very high probability that if you are in the Texas area and considering going to Texas Linux Fest, you can come say hi to Ange and I. Yep. 
We're going to be there. I'm really excited. We're still working out the details, but we've never made it. We've always wanted to go. And Texas Linux Fest is going to be June 8th and 9th, I think, or 9th and 10th. It's in that range that weekend. So if you're in the Austin area, we'd love to see you. Come say hi to us. We'll be announcing it in more locations, but this is the first and, place. Yeah, and, and more officially. But yes, it's the 9th and 10th, which is Saturday and Sunday. There you go. 9th and 10th and we'll be there we'll be there and uh, we're really excited about it it's gonna be warm so bring your shorts and <laughs> oh my gosh yeah <laughs> shave my legs too okay okay everybody thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Tech Talk today and we will see you later this week later this week